Welcome to the Troublemakers Podcast with award-winning sports journalists Lisa Cornwell and Karen Krause, stirring up the conversation and controversy one story at a time. Well, it feels like it's been a little while. I guess that it has. Lisa, Karen, great to be with you here on the Troublemakers Podcast. And this topic, I think, is, is, is probably one that we will continue to visit. And I hope that this stirs up conversations we're talking about the LPGA and how to, I don't want to, you know, people are tired of this grow the game, but I think for women, how do we grow women's golf? Um, I want to start with this. So I am currently listening to Pat Summit's Summit Up. It's, you know, it's basically her, her story that, that she's telling after she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I was at the gym this morning and she was talking about, I believe it was their 1987 title run their second national championship and they were on CBS and, and it was the title game with Louisiana tech. And she said, and I wanted to write this down because we were recording today. I was like, this is so perfect. She said, I wanted to make sure that I looked my best for the CBS broadcast because I wanted to do whatever I could not to elevate Tennessee women's basketball, but to elevate the sport itself. And I started thinking, you know, you and I have had this conversation. What would have happened if Billie Jean King had been had been a golfer and not a tennis player? I think we probably could, you know, guess some differences. What if Pat Summit had been <laughs> been a golfer? And I'm not. This is no disrespect to to Molly Marcus Simon, the new LPGA Tour Commissioner. What if Pat Summit was on the board, or she was in a leadership? Or had been the commissioner. Let, let's just, let's start it off. Let's start it off with that topic. Yeah. I just watched the Scott at women's Scottish open over the weekend and was just so disheartened by the quality of the broadcast. Um, when you talk about growing the game, drive on and everything they're doing is peanuts compared to what the main focus should be is on having the best possible broadcast possible. And that includes having your broadcasting partners actually attend the events in force. When you look back to the number of people that Golf Channel brought to the Scottish Open ahead of the Men's British Open, and then you watch that broadcast over the weekend, it's pretty easy to see what the most important step toward growing the game needs to be. It's taking the women's um, tournament seriously and giving them the attention they deserve. I mean, I don't know. You would have to really be a fan of Celine Boutier to sit through that broadcast yesterday. Well, Okay, you know that I'm very opinionated about the broadcast, and I do tweet about it, and some people push back. They're like, you know, you just have this beef against Golf Channel, or you, anybody who knows me understands that I have loved women's golf since I was a little girl. Same as men's. I mean, I watch, you know, I work for the PGA Tour, so I just love the sport, and that's why I constantly want to bring it to the forefront is that the quickest way to elevate women's golf is is through television. It's 100%. You got you, you to gotta force more cameras. You have to force these issues. But Pat Summit wouldn't have put up with that. And, and I think that that's what I go back to. We, we as, as women, I hear this word so often, this grateful word. And 
I think that gratitude's important, but it's important in certain areas. Gratitude doesn't advance your product. Gratitude doesn't grow your sport. Pat Summit wasn't grateful when she was at Tennessee and she was growing the Lady Vols and turned it into the biggest program in the country. That wasn't about gratitude. That was about demand. And I just don't see that right now. And, and it does. It drives me crazy. Maybe I tweet too much about it, but I'm passionate about it. I care about it. I think that I, I'm not going to be silent about it. And I'm not going to you know, play nice and, and, and pretend that everything's okay because it doesn't get better that way. At some point during the broadcast, and this is a hot take, it'll probably make you faint. I was actually wishing that the Women's British Open was at Turnberry this week, because then at least people would be talking about it. They wouldn't be talking about necessarily the right thing, but in their outrage over a women's major being held at a Trump-owned course, at least they would be on the grounds and my goodness, they would see a golf tournament breaking out um, amid their pro- protestations. But but would they, do you think? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, co- I covered the U.S. Open, the U.S. Women's Open at Bedminster, and um, there were people in that press room who I had never seen at a women's golf event before or since, but at least they were there and ended up covering the winner by default. But, you know, I just, I think it's tragic that it takes some kind of controversy for people's eyeballs to be drawn to a product that has never been better or deeper than it is right now. And I'm talking, of course, about the women's game. And I sort of diverged with you on the women have a role to play. They have done enough. I mean, no one's asking the men to be um, big personalities. All they have to do is play great golf and they're rewarded. I'm sorry, I don't find Lucas Glover the most personable um, man to watch in the men's game. No one's asking him to be. He was the best golfer at Wyndham and that was enough. And that's how I feel it should be for the women. I'm just really frustrated. And I have no dog in this fight, Lisa. I'm just someone who has covered women's golf long enough to know that it's a largely untapped product. The potential is vast and it's being just misused, um, misbranded. And I don't know, like it, it might die a noble death because people can't get their acts together and give it the attention and platform it deserves. Well, I, I agree with you on the Lucas Glover front. I'm not saying that everybody has to be this, this you know, flamboyant. You just don't see it that much in women's golf. I mean, I would like to see more of it. I think that it does bring in American sports fans or sports fans worldwide. We, we love to see the emotion. I mean, look what the World Cup's going on right now. Look at the emotion that you see out on the soccer field. So it's pretty incredible. But you're right. No, I mean, not everybody is going to have this sort of – what we saw from Jessica Corda when she won the tournament of champions. I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more of Charlie Hull out there, you know, doing Charlie Hull things because I mean, she's, she's a little, she's a little crazy out there and I kind of like crazy. So, um, John Rom's a little crazy out there and people love him. John Rom. Yeah, that's exactly right. But, but not everybody's going to be that way. So back to this whole notion, you know, there's, and I appreciate this as much as anybody. There's this drive-on campaign and you learn more about these players. And But that's not pulling people in. I mean, 
the, they should be learning more about the players from broadcasters. Those stories should be told as part of an organic broadcast. Um, that should not be separate. That's another thing that drives me crazy about golf in general. And I'm talking about both the men's and women's games here. If you watch on a weekend, if you watch on Friday, for example, you're going to hear the same stories that you hear on Saturday or and Sunday. It's like they are just recycled stories. And to me, that's lazy. I mean, these players all have amazing stories. They're all interesting. Um, and, and it's really part of the job to dig those stories out and to have that information on hand. Um, I just see it's interesting because when I was covering golf, I never watched the broadcast because I was in the thick of the action. Now that I'm on the sidelines, I just wonder, like, how do people watch these this product week in and week out? It really is um, subpar. I really enjoy um, watching the PGA Tour live. You guys do a great job, and I'm not just saying that because you're here, but you really do have interesting statistics, interesting anecdotes that I just simply don't hear anywhere else. Well, it's, it's having, it's having the resources, it's having shot link, it's having multiple cameras. And look, obviously I still have a lot of friends who work at golf Channel, so I don't want to dismiss the product. I don't think that it's, it's not with the production. It's not with the on-air crew. It's, it's with resources. I mean, the number of cameras that we have on PGA tour live versus what they have on the LPGA tour I mean, mm. you can go from shot to shot to shot. I have ShotLink at my disposal where it not only has statistics year by year, but it has background information where I can easily access access the information. It, it's not that difficult for me to broadcast it. So it is resources. But I want to ask you this because you come from the the print side and now it's kind of, it's gone to this online but it's the same thing. I mean, we saw the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach. You knew that it would be a spectacle, a, a grand stage. What drove me crazy, and I want your reaction, they had media day there. And I see members of the media out there playing Pebble Beach and surrounding Mike Wan, who are never at a women's event. Never. I mean, if, if I'm the commissioner or if I'm, on, if, if I'm on some sort of side that deals with the media, I'm asking them why. Why are you here? I mean, we all well, know the answer. We all know but, the answer. Pebble to, was the have, draw. But you have to. But don't you have to sort of call that out? I mean, look, Golf Channel since they got rid of Randall Mel, they don't even have a writer out there. I mean, it's rare that they have a reporter. It gets back to what you were saying: is that oh, everyone was just so grateful to see these big names and um, broadcasting out at their tournament. So the gratitude is the, you know, the, the root cause of just not challenging anything. But I heart back to my days covering the Olympics and I'm really dating myself now. But um, when I was much younger, they had this thing called the Olympic Sports Festival and the USOC was very savvy. They said, okay, if you want to have an Olympic credential, you need to cover these off-year Olympic festivals. So we would cover them at the and I worked for different papers while this uh, festival was in existence. And we would always cover them. They were in the summer, maybe the entrance the interest um, wasn't keen, but you covered them because you knew 
that was how you secured your credential to the event you did want to cover, which was the Olympics. So if I was at the Orange County Register and we didn't send anyone to the Olympic Festival, when it came to the next Olympics, we could count on having fewer credentials than if we had sent somebody. So we would send multiple people to cover this Nothing Burger Summer Olympic event. Um, So I think, you know, that's what the LPGA should start doing. Say, well, We'll give you a credential to Pebble if you also are going to cover this event or this event or this event. I mean, it's not outside the realm of um, of reasonableness, you know. It's been done in other sports, but again, there has to be a will to kind of stand up to these people who are cherry picking the women's game, covering what they want, and ignoring the rest. Um, I have an unbelievable Women's British Open credential story for you. It was 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, and I am in London. I am in a two-room flat with my husband trying to summon stories for the New York Times. I'm a few months into my international posting. As, As you can imagine, in the middle of a pandemic, it's going very badly. So I was thrilled when I found out that the Women's British Open was going to go ahead at Troon. I thought, this is so perfect. Not only can I cover it, I can take the train to get there. I don't even have to get on an airplane. So I um, apply for a credential. And it's not as if I had never been to a Women's British Open. I think I had covered four. It might have been three, but I had covered at least three others. So again, I wasn't cherry picking this event because of its convenience. I had a track record of covering this event. So I get back a denied. My credential was denied. The New York Times was denied a credential of covering the Women's British Open in a pandemic where I can guarantee you it would have gotten excellent play because so few other sports were really um, up and running. A few months later, I was back in the States and I happened upon someone who knew the inside of the credentialing process. And I asked this person, How is it possible that the New York Times, in a pandemic, with a reporter stationed in Britain, was denied a credential to the British Open? And I was told by this person, who was part of the credentialing process, that AIG, which was the sponsor at the time, denied the credential request because in other events that it sponsored that I covered, I did not put AIG in, you know, if it was the AIG Women's British Open, I just referred to it as the Women's British Open. So this was my comeuppance for not giving the sponsor the proper due. Wow. And here's the thing about that. It's a New York Times style issue that they do not recognize sponsors in titles If it was the IBM Masters, we would refer to it as the Masters. If it's the um, 
the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational presented by MasterCard. It's the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So I wasn't even snubbing AIG on purpose. It was a style issue. But think about that. Here was um, a sponsor of a women's major willing to jettison a major U.S. daily simply because it didn't believe it was getting the proper respect um, or the proper play by that media source. So, you know, if you want to know what's wrong with women's golf, I could just talk about it for hours. And none of this has to do with the players themselves. Well, the list goes on and on. And speaking of the AIG Women's Open, and they have elevated their purses. All of the majors have. And I think that the USGA, well, look, I'm going to start with CME and Terry Duffy. He has pushed this. He has pushed this purse elevation. And every time he ups it, everybody else ups it. Because, you know, the USGA is always going to be the highest purse in women's golf. And when he goes up, everybody else has to go up. So I have to give Terry a lot of credit for that. A lot of folks don't know that. But this week is the AIG Women's Open. Let me ask you this, Karen, and I hope Sarah doesn't kill me for revealing this. So the men get courtesy cars every week. And and I love that. They should. And this is going to, this will go back to the gratitude word. People are going to hear this and I'll get called out and saying, that's ridiculous. You know, they, they, why, why do they have to get that? Why are you, why are you complaining about that? So this isn't a complaint. I'm just putting it out there. I guess it is a complaint because it's not right. So the men get courtesy cars every week. They pick them up from the hotel or from the airport and they drive off. It's very simple. You know, if, if you're traveling constantly, that's a, that's a big help not to have to go to Avis. <laughs> I mean, people don't understand with all that luggage and equipment. So this week at the AIG Women's Open, a major, the women don't even get courtesy cars. And so... There's this whole... And it's not easy. It's not easy to navigate around those courses either. It's not like everything is close by. Well, Sarah landed last night at... Her flight was late. So it was like 10, 10, 11 o'clock at night when she landed from the Scottish. And thankfully, wherever she rented a car for, from stayed open because they closed at 10. But it's just these little small things that, that the women don't get. Yeah. And they do add up when you're on the road constantly. Okay. We've kind of gotten sidetracked and I just want to, I want to finish with this. Well, I want to say something that when you talk about the ripple effects of coverage, you know, of of denying access to media outlets of, um, being that kind of petty of, um, substandard broadcasts, this is the ultimate ripple down effect. Now, People are going to look at the fact that Alison Corpus has made $2.6 million this year and say, my goodness, we have come a long way, baby. Going to look at the fact that 13 players before the Scottish Open had made more than a million dollars this season and say, progress, baby, progress. But here's where you realize we have a long way to go. Um, going into the weekend's tournaments, the 100th ranked woman on the LPGA Tour had made $113,000, while the 100th ranked man had made $1.32 million. And a lot of that has to do with what you were talking about earlier. 
people will sponsor the men because they know reliably that their product will get eyeballs on the weekends. They will get viewers. They will be seen. That name will be seen. There's no such guarantee among the women. And that's a huge sticking point. There's no getting around it. And it's very costly to the women, not just in growing the game, but in growing their ability to play the game for, you know, years and years and years. Well, to be able to pay their bills. Think about that. If you're, if you're 100th, you're, you're the 100th player keeps her full card, but think about the expense that goes into being a full-time professional golfer who's traveling worldwide. It's, it's not easy. And on that Allison Corpus note, the most interesting part, and I, I do, I love the fact that you compare 100 to 100 because that's always the telltale sign. And look, I want to say this. I don't, I understand the economics of it. You know, the men pull in more viewers, they pull in more fans, they get, they get paid more. And I get that. And I don't, I think in the sport of golf, it's going to be really hard for it to be equal. I, I think we should always push for it, but but I understand the economics of it, the business model of it. We're just trying to close that gap. I don't want there to be an extra zero at the person who's at the 100th level. I want that person to be able to make good money, pay her bills, you know, enjoy the hard work that she's put into being a professional golfer. She should be able to to reap the rewards financially because if you're the 100th player on the CME points list on the LPGA Tour, you are busting your tail to get there and sacrificing so much away from your home, away from your family. You deserve to make more than a hundred grand. I mean, it's just crazy. But on the Allison Corpus note, so what she wanted at the U.S. Open, what was the check? Was it two million? Believe so. So the following week, the tournament, the entire purse was less than her first place check. Her two million dollar first place prize, the, the tournament following, the entire purse was $1.75 million. That's sobering. The, the players should not, they should not be playing for that anymore. And I will, that's where I call on the LPGA. At some point you have to say, no, you have to say, look, we, we are worth a certain amount and we're not going to allow our players to play less than that. They go to Thailand, Karen, Thailand. That is a long trip. It is in the hot, well, nothing's ever cool in, in Thailand. It is very difficult. I've been there with Sarah. Their purse, I believe, this year was $1.3 million. That's what Lucas Glover made yesterday for winning. I would tell Thailand, and, and I know that you hate to drop tournaments off the schedule, but at some point you have to say thank you, but no thank you. Our players are worth more. That's where you have to, you have to go to bat for your players. You have to. And I get that they have this $100 million threshold that, that they have touted for the overall season, the overall purse money, but half of that money is from, from seven events. Half of it. Well, how's that LPGA, PGA Tour alliance working? The PGA Tour, maybe it's not the same now, given <laughs> what we have learned in the past few months that led them to... Um, form this so-called alliance with Live, but there were sponsors lining up, including weirdly KitchenAid, which would KitchenAid not be better marketed for the women than the Champions Tour and the PGA Tour, but never mind. How about Dick's Sporting Goods? They have a, a female CEO. Dick's Sporting Goods. How about Procter & Gamble? They uh, 
AT&T, you know, for a long time, they sponsored two, um, two PGA tour events, no LPGA events. My point is that, um, there was a time not too long ago when the PGA tour was a wash in sponsors. They had more sponsors than they had slots for them. And the LPGA tour is looking for, um, you know, sponsorships and they have this alliance that is supposed to be growing the game. And the PGA tour is supposed to be the tide that lifts all boats. How has the, how has the PGA tour served the LPGA tour in this alliance? And I'm including the new, the latest TV deal that it helped, um, help the LPGA tour obtain. Um, how is the PGA tour helping the world, the former European tour, the DP world tour, how has that alliance worked out for them? You know, this is just what I'm talking about. The, the LPGA tour is getting scraps at best in every, um, facet, um, broadcasting in this alliance. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why the people who love that tour put up with it. I guess it gets back to what you were saying, gratitude for simply existing. When you're getting scraps, don't you, isn't there a responsibility to stand up and say, I'm not going to get scraps anymore? I mean, well, these are stories I covered when I was covering golf, but now I'm no longer out there and I don't see these stories being addressed. The people who do cover women's golf are cheerleaders about it. So they're not they're not aiming a critical skeptical eye at what's going on. They're just cheerleading for what does exist, which that has its place, I suppose. But we really need a lot more critical thinking approaching this sport at this juncture and especially where the women are concerned. Well, and I think that the tour should welcome it. I have had this discussion with the commissioner and again, I like her a lot. I want her to succeed. Obviously I want the tour to succeed, but I feel like that this tour is always so careful. They are always so careful. They don't want to stir up controversy. And I told her, I said, Molly, if you're in the news, I don't, unless it's for murder, you need to be in the news. You need to open your door and say, you know what? What do you want to ask me? I'll answer anything that I can. I don't care if it's controversial. I don't, like when all of this conversation was going on about Saudi, I told her she should welcome it, embrace it, invite it, because at least it would be talked about. Nobody's talking right. about it now. And and I feel like that it's another missed opportunity for the LPGA Tour. It was a missed opportunity for Molly to get out there in the forefront of the news and say, hey, look, and not to the British Telegraph or wherever it first came out, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, you're not still out there anymore. But don't shy away from it. Welcome it. Invite it. Because the more that you can get the tour in the news for things other than who just won the Scottish Open, that's not going to drive fans and viewers controversy does i mean right. how much how much do you think that all this controversy with live and saudi and the pga tour has has driven ratings for the men well it's driven a, a wholesale um you know restructuring of the pga tour which um has been beneficial to a few have you seen one article have you since since all of this came out when monahan went on CNBC. Have you heard one word from the LPGA about what their expectations are? I have not. And, and, the, and, and the problem is because nobody's asking. Right. 
And if nobody's asking, then you need to invite them to start asking some questions and face the music. That's my opinion. And people can say that I'm crazy for that. But again, I go back to, and I love the LPGA. They are way too safe to become anything much bigger than they are right now. Safety does not, does not grow the tour. Being safe and, and sort of walking in between the lines will not grow this tour. You know, you, you need somebody to step out there and stir it up. Well, the women, the women have been somewhat defensive about the, um, the, um, infusion of Saudi cash in the ladies European tour. So that's where it starts. They, um, are, you know, very defensive about that instead of being upfront and saying, these women have to earn a living and this is where the money and interest is coming from. Do you have money you want to put up? We would be happy to take respectable money, but you know, this is where we're at in the year 2023. No doubt about it. And these are discussions that we will continue to have. That's why we have the troublemakers podcast, (laughs) because you and I are are definitely troublemakers, um, self-proclaimed, but look, uh, the whole purpose is to, to stir up these conversations. And I feel passionately about this and it, it drives me crazy that these conversations aren't being had publicly. Again, if nobody's asking questions, that means that they're not paying attention and that's not good for the sport. We've got to figure out a way to make people start asking these important questions, because to me, that will be a sign of growth. The money will come later, but you can't, I don't think that you can focus on the money. You have to, you have to shift your focus elsewhere and start it somewhere right. else. And then it will happen. I agree. We've got, we've got to keep addressing this. We've got to get some people on here who will, who will, who will be unsafe, who, who will, yeah. who will be honest. Maybe, maybe Jessica Corda will, I don't know. I need to talk to her and see. Is she unsafe enough to come on the Troublemakers podcast? I mean, she's a little troublemaker herself. I would love to talk with her about all of this because she's been around long enough to sort of see, um, she kind of came up in the beginning of the Juan era, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Gosh, I remember covering the end of the Carolyn Bivens era when people were saying, I was talking to people who were ranked in the thirties in um, women's golf and were acting as if it was a part-time job and they were having to find other work to sustain them themselves and to pay their bills. So, you know, again, when you look at where um, the women's golf was 15 years ago, yeah, it's in a good place, but given where, um, so many other women's sports are just booming right now. Like they are just growing in audience uh, viewership and money in every conceivable area. And there is the longest standing women's pro league, um, if you will, just kind of, you know, keeping on, keeping on. So what's the issue? What's the issue, do you think? Everything that we've talked about, leadership, marketing, media, visibility. But when you're talking about when you're talking about the growth of women's basketball, I pay attention to women's college basketball and the growth has been phenomenal. I mean, we all saw the championship games last year, the run that Iowa went on and LSU ended up winning, but the viewership was incredible. So what does women's basketball have that, that women's golf doesn't have? 
a network TV contract, serious journalists covering it. It has the alliance with the NBA, just like tennis. The WTA had the alliance at the majors and its other top events with the ATP. This is where I just feel as if it has been an epic fail, this PGA Tour LPGA alliance. The PGA Tour has a responsibility to help lift the LPGA Tour if it is serious about growing the game and not just growing its coffers, which that's what it looks like the um, emphasis has always been to me. Um, I remember when I was still covering golf in 2019, this alliance was already in the works. And I would ask Jay Monahan repeatedly, so when is this alliance going to um, bring dividends to the LPGA Tour? When can we expect a mixed tour event, an LPGA, PGA Tour event being held alongside um, each other concurrently, like the Victoria Open? Um, when is this going to happen? This needs to happen. When is it going to happen? I am not talking about the mixed team event, like what happened in the West coast of Florida, the J the old JC Penny format. I am talking about Pinehurst in 2014, where if not concurrently, you're having them one week apart so that all the men's media is gathered and will cover the women while they're there. Um, that's what how that's what fueled the growth of women's tennis, and it's absolutely what needs to happen in the U.S. to give the LPGA the visibility that it's lacking. So there aren't enough people holding the PGA Tour officials' feet to the fire on this. It's as if no one even cares about this alliance. And if I were, if I were anyone involved in the LPGA, I would be making that phone call to PGA Tour headquarters weekly. I would wear them out saying, what's the latest? When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Because invariably, and you know this, I've seen this so many times where the women go and they play, um, the women and men play in an event together. The men come away astonished at the skill level of the women with newfound respect for how good the women are. These are the top men players in the world, not realizing how good their female brethren are. So this is where it needs to start. This is where it needs to go next. But it goes back to what we talked about that since you're gone, in terms of writers, there isn't a person out there who's dedicated to to asking these important questions. If you cover the tour and you want to talk about important issues outside of winners and losers, which I think desperately needs to happen, why isn't this a question that's being asked to the commissioner? Hey, look, this alliance was signed years ago. What can, you know, we need to talk to Jay Monahan. We need to talk to Molly. Where does this stand? What's happening with Saudi? What's happening? But no one's asking questions. Why isn't Brandel asking this? Why isn't Eamon asking this? Um, why isn't uh, Paige asking this? Why isn't, I mean, the Golf Channel is full of personalities um, and journalists. Why aren't they asking this? It's an obvious question, but I would go even step farther back. Um, 
why does the PJ tour need to have its feet held to the fire to do the right thing? Why aren't people inside the PJ tour really working toward making this happen? I don't know. I mean, but you don't, I don't know without information. Is there a liaison who, who is constantly working this angle? Is there somebody who, I don't know. I don't know what that answer is. Does, does Molly, the commissioner, Molly Marcus-Saman, does she make a phone call every two weeks? Like, how does it work? The problem is there's no transparency. Exactly. So I would think that that should be out there. Look, hey, we just made a big hire. This is going to be our PGA Tour liaison who is going to, and then that announcement's out there. And then Beth Ann Nichols could possibly write an article about here's what's going on. But none of that is happening. I agree. And my question is, why not? Why not? If if you really, if you want to grow this tour, and I, look, and I agree with you, I think that this PGA Tour Alliance could could be a big deal. I just don't know enough about it because nobody's talking about it. And and I want to know why. Well, I think it's because I think it's because it's sort of a straw man. You know, it exists in theory, but not in practice. And no one really wants to breathe more life into it. That's my very cynical take. And I'm not cynical by nature. But again, I spent 10 years covering the PGA Tour extensively. And I saw what I saw. I saw how they pay lip service to growing the game when it involves anything to do with women. I mean, they just, that's just not their focus. It's like they have a blind spot. Then why aren't the LPGA Tour players asking? If I was a player, I would. I would, the, the LPGA tour players need a, need a union because I will say that they need, they need somebody to represent them and, and to speak up on some of these issues. This should be at the forefront of, and look, and this is where you have to give Billie Jean credit and the likes of a Billie Jean King, that these were questions that, that, that she was asking. This is what we see in, in women's soccer. Why? How? And look, I get that the players are busy. You know, I'm very close to to one of them. I married one, and I and I know these players. But they're I don't see them asking these questions. I don't see them stepping up and demanding answers. If I'm an LPGA Tour player, I want to know basic things. You know, like why don't we have courtesy cars this week? Why why this? Why 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 is nobody talking about this PGA Tour alliance? What is going on here? Why are we doing again? And look, I. I've heard about some of the discussions that happen on the board and it accomplishes nothing. I hate to say it. It accomplishes, it accomplishes nothing in favor of the players. Sarah pushed for a year to try to get a dermatologist on site to get free sun checks every year. And it took forever. They finally had it a few weeks ago. I mean, these are little things that the players kind of, I think, need to take a hold of and start demanding answers. But that's not how they're raised. That's not how they're conditioned. They come from the golf world, which is very conservative in nature. Um, Women, as a rule, are not raised to be troublemakers. They're raised to be compliant and grateful. And that permeates everything that we've talked about today. I think that you hit the nail on the head with that one statement. We will no doubt continue this discussion. You and I could go on and on. We've hit a lot of different topics today and that will continue. But we appreciate you all joining us through our trying to figure this out. This is sort of a a hodgepodge of ideas and brainstorms and story. But like it's important because these discussions are not happening out there. 
I'm not out there covering the tour anymore. So they're not happening within the walls of Golf Channel because I push for it every single day. Increased coverage. You are out there trying to tell these stories as best you could and open up the players and the tour to the public here in the States and around the world. We, we have to keep this conversation going. Maybe, maybe you and I just take it on our shoulders, Karen. I agree. Okay, we'll continue this conversation another week. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to the Troublemakers podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating, and a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at the TM Pod.